Amen. So we continue in this sermon series, Growing Up, Colossians 1 this morning. Uh, let me ask you, those in the room and those who are watching, what does a healthy church look like? It's a great question. I want to encourage you today to make sure you find your place in a printed copy or electronic device, Colossians 1. I want you to just look at God's Word and follow along in the text. And so I pray, whether you're a part of our church or another church, that you're going to be able to walk away and say, here's what a healthy church looks like, and we want to be a part of a healthy church. Uh, let me ask you some questions today as well. Why are you committed to this church? And when I ask that question, why are you committed to this church? Here's what I mean. You've joined this church. You give in this church and you serve in this church. But why are you committed to this church? And we thank God that you are. Here's what I know. We're getting ready in just a little over a month away to celebrate 190 years in ministry. And not only are we going to celebrate 190 years in ministry, we're challenging our church that we would eliminate the debt of this church in one day, $1.3, $1.4 million. That doesn't happen. A celebration or eliminating the debt doesn't happen without committed people in this church. So thank God you're committed to the Lord, but also committed to his church. Let me ask you this question. Why do you attend this church? And to those who watch online, why do you watch online? There, there are literally churches almost on every corner in our city and county. Those who watch online, you could watch many churches. But why do you attend this church and why do you watch us online? And let me just say, we thank God that you do. It's a blessing for us. But why do you do that? And then let me ask you, why are you here today? You could be doing so many other things. You could still be sleeping. Uh, you could be playing golf. You could be boating somewhere. You could be doing so many other things, but why are you here today, in person or watching online? And here's what I would imagine some people would say. Church is a part of your life, and you're going to be faithful to Christ, and you want to be faithful to church, and so you're here. Uh, you may look at it and say, someone invited you this past week, and you appreciated the invitation, and here you are today. You showed up. It could be you're searching for answers in life, and you heard something about this church, and you believe from God's word, maybe the Lord has a word for you, and so you're in person, or you're watching, you're seeking to learn something from God for your life. Or it could be you heard about this church in the community or from somewhere else, and you say, you know, I just want to check it out, so I'm here today. Thank God that you're here. And here's what we desire in person and online, week in and week out, signs of a healthy church, that when you walk into this building or you log on and watch us, we will make much of the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do. And that we'll never apologize saying this, that Jesus Christ has defeated death and the grave, Jesus Christ is alive, and one day Jesus Christ is coming again. Now I want to go off script here for a moment. As I've been praying this week, spiritual warfare is a real thing. The enemy does not like what we do together as a church. But, but I want to talk about, since I was praying for us as a church and praying for this weekend service, the Lord just gave me some words that I want to share with you for a moment that will help set this up. What does a healthy church look like? They're not on your outline. I encourage you to write some of these down. But here's, I'm going to preface them by saying the Lord has given me, then I'm going to give you these. Number one, the Lord has given me a sense of urgency. Here's what I mean by that. There are many of us in this room, we're not going to be here long. 
And here's what I mean by that. There are many of us in this room, we're in the third and fourth quarter of life. We're not going to be here long. And that's why there's urgency to what we do. There's urgency to teaching and preaching and exalting Jesus Christ in everything we do. May we not miss the urgency of the moment. Work while it is light. We need to be about what the Father has asked us to do. A sense of urgency should be among us. Uh, Number two, the Lord has given me a conviction about his word. That's why I walk to this pulpit week in and week out with a copy of God's Word. I hold it just like this. Why? I believe the Bible. The Bible is living and active. The Bible is true from Genesis to Revelation. May we be faithful in music and message to make much of God in His Word. His Word changes our lives. Let's be faithful to Him and faithful to the Scripture. Let's make sure we look at the text. God, what are you saying to us in our lives? Number three, the Lord has given me a joy about his faithfulness. When I think about the church, I think about 190 years of ministry. And there have been mountaintops in the fellowship of our church. There have been deep valleys in the fellowship of our church. But here's what I know. Whether it's a mountaintop or a valley, I know this. Almighty God has been faithful to this church. He's been faithful. And here's what I guarantee you, as the years continue on, as the Lord tarries, he is always going to be faithful to this church. You and I need to make sure that we have a joy about the faithfulness of God to you and to me. Number four, the Lord has given me a brokenness for church health. Here's why, because church health matters to God. He wants us to be healthy. Church health matters to you and me because we want to be healthy. But understand this next statement. Church health matters to those who are not in this room. There are many people in our city and county who are not connected to any church. They've been a part of some dysfunctional churches, unhealthy churches, and they simply don't have time for that in their lives. They need to see a healthy, honoring, biblically focused church. And so health matters. It matters to God, it matters to you and me, and it matters to people who are not in this room because what's healthy grows. If an individual's healthy, he or she's going to grow. If a church is healthy, that church is going to grow. Church health matters. And then number five, the Lord has given me a love for this church. And as your pastor today, and as Angie is sitting here to my right, we have no hesitation to say these words to you, to those who are in the room and those who are watching. We love you as a church, and we thank God for you. And as we love you, we pray 190-year history. We pray, though, the best days for this church are yet to come because God has a great work to do. He'll be honored and glorified in that, but we just pray that the best days for First Baptist Church are yet to come. What does a healthy church look like? I want to invite your attention, Colossians 1, encourage you to, again, take great notes here today as we walk through this text. But look at number one, what are people saying about the church? That's a great question. As I've been in ministry over 30 years, here's what I know. People are going to talk about the church. If things are going good, they're going to talk about it. If things aren't going well, they're going to talk about it. 
Ains and I were at the football game Friday night, Clarksville Rossview. Great game, by the way. And so we were there. We had conversations with people about our church, and we heard conversations at the football game about other churches. People are going to talk about the church. Almost anyone you meet has an opinion about the church. But what are people saying about the church? Now, I want, to, I want to look at a big level here for a moment. What are church leaders saying about the church? Not just our church, but churches in general. I've been around enough church leaders. Here's what many of them say. Ministry is going better than I ever thought it would. Our church is doing well. We've got our issues, but we're doing okay. And then here's what many church leaders are saying today. I heard this even this weekend. I never dreamt ministry would be this difficult. That's what church leaders are saying. What are church members saying? Here's what I hear from church members oftentimes in our church, but other places as well. Hey, the church is going great. We're seeing people baptized and saved. Church is growing. Oh, our church has issues, but I think every church has issues. We need to change if we're going to reach the next generation for Christ. And then there are people, not just a part of this church, but churches in general say this, why can't the church be the way it used to be? That's what church members are saying. Well, let me ask you this question. What about people who are not even a part of the church? What are they saying about the church? And here's what I hear when I'm in the community and other places, what people are saying about the church. Here's what they would say. You know, the church is boring and irrelevant to my life. The church is only interested in money oh the church is full of hypocrites that's why i don't go and then somewhere you're going to find people who are outside the church say this you know the church the church may not be perfect but the church sure has helped me the church loved me at a very critical time in my life and we were suffering and the church financially helped us get back up on our feet and came through for us i believe the church is a safe place i appreciate the church And then I want to ask you this personal question to us at First Baptist. Here it is. What do we want people to say about our church? If you go to lunch or you're in some other place, you're in a department store somewhere else, what do you want people to say about our church? Paul, writing to the believers of Colossae, And he's talking about hearing some things about them. People were talking about the church at Colossae. What were they saying? And I'm going to give you some words from this text here in Colossians 1 that I pray could be said about our church because what does a healthy church look like? These words are going to be critical. Look at word number one. It's the word faithfulness. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. That's what they were saying about the church at Colossae. These are faithful men and women in Christ Jesus. Notice what Paul didn't say. He didn't talk about the church's buildings. He didn't talk about the church's programs. He talked about the believers, their faith in Christ Jesus. But as we talk about the church, what do we talk about? Do we talk about buildings? Do we talk about programs? Or do we talk about our faith in Jesus Christ? Let me ask you this. Students, children, adults of all ages, do people in your family, friends of yours, in your workplace, in your school, at the gym, at the golf course, do they know that you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ? Do they know that? 
And he says, when we pray for you, we, we thank God for your faith in Christ Jesus. Again, he didn't, he didn't thank all these other things. He was, he was thankful for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please understand this. Your faith in Jesus Christ is personal, but your faith in Jesus Christ is not private. Other people around us need to know that we love Jesus. He's changed our lives, and we want to be faithful to him. What do we desire for people to say about our church? I pray they say about us, they are faithful to Jesus Christ there. It's a great thing for people to say about us. Word number two is the word love. Paul goes on to say to them, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and notice this next phrase, and of the love that you have for all the saints. It's not that we love this group and don't love this group. He says you have love for all the saints. Uh, I was around a pastor many, many years ago, Bob Russell, pastor of one of the largest churches in the nation, and Bob made this statement. He said, if God's people will love one another, you'll have to lock the doors to keep people out. Love is powerful. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying to the church at Colossae, I hear about your love for all the saints. You love every single person a part of that church. Now, here's what I know. Let's be realistic, be honest. In a church like ours, we have differences. Uh, We have different perspectives. We have different tastes. We have different viewpoints. Well, even in the midst of all their differences, is it still possible that we can love one another? I pray that is the case. I pray that people see our church and say, you are a church faithful to Jesus Christ, but you are a church where you love one another in him. You love kids, you love preschoolers, you love students, you love people of all ages, you love one another. You may disagree about some things, but you still love one another in Christ. Faithfulness, love, and again, even in the midst, uh, people around us, again, they've been in churches where there have been division, strife, and tension. And those churches just aren't going to reach many people like that. But when you and I are faithful to Christ and we love one another, it is so assuring to people around us. Churches love each other. Number three is the word assurance. What does Paul say to these believers? He goes on to talk about their faith, their love. And then he says, uh, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. I mean, these individuals, brothers and sisters in Christ, they had the assurance that they were going to spend eternity in heaven. Now I want to ask you in the room and those who are watching, do you know without any question, any doubt, that you have given your life to Jesus Christ and you have the assurance you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Do you know that? And so you've got the hope, the assurance that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And here's what I know. When you think about knowing Christ, having the assurance of heaven, there is nothing will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care how fierce the storm is, you'll never be separated from Jesus Christ. Also, please note this. I don't care how much stuff you accumulate in this life, you're not going to take any of that stuff with you. You'll take your relationship and the treasures you've laid up in heaven with you. What do we want people to say about our church? Well, they're faithful to Christ. They love one another and they have the assurance of heaven. They make a lot about heaven. Look at word number four is the word fruit. 
He goes on to say this church at Colossae, he talks about their hope in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing. I mean, the gospel is changing lives. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. The gospel is that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to this earth. The gospel is we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, died on an old rugged cross, buried in a tomb, raised on resurrection morning. He is alive. He is changing the lives of people. And one day he is coming again. That's good news. That's the gospel. Now, now as we think about fruit, we want to see fruit. And what, what do I mean by fruit? We want to see Jesus changing the lives of people. Folks, I want to see people come to Christ. I want to see more people baptized. I want to see more people joining the fellowship of this church. I want to see God calling out boys and girls and men and women to ministry. I want to see people forgiving one another and loving one another, being faithful to Christ. That is the fruit that brings glory to God. Number five is the word ministers. What do we want people to say about our church? Well, he goes on to talk about it. He said, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He was a servant, Epaphras was. He said, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Epaphras was a faithful servant, a faithful minister of Christ Jesus. Now, as I, in this room, and there are some of you watching today, you're leaders in the fellowship of the church. Let me ask you, are you faithful to Jesus Christ in your area of leadership? And as you think about your area of leadership, are you faithful to him? Here's what I know. When leaders are faithful, the church can soar. When leaders are unfaithful, the church will stumble. Happens again and again. I've seen churches with amazing potential, but with unfaithful leaders. And the church struggled as a result of that. Here's what I mean. There were leaders who were immoral in their lifestyles. There were leaders who were financially mismanaging God's resources. There were leaders who were divided with one another. There were leaders who were lazy. There were leaders who were disobedient. It affected the church. But Epaphras, he was a servant of Christ Jesus. He was a faithful minister. Are you and I faithful in our areas of leadership? We, If we're going to be a healthy church, we need faithful, godly, Christ-centered leaders in this church. And so I just encourage you as a church, make sure you pray for us as leaders. We'll talk about that in a moment. But also make sure and expect that we will be faithful to Christ in everything we do, much like Epaphras. So what do we want people to say about our church? Wouldn't it be great if people said, those people at First Baptist, they're faithful to Christ. Those people at First Baptist, they love one another. Those people at First Baptist, they're, they're, they're bearing fruit. And they're assured of heaven, and their leaders are very godly, Christ-centered, and faithful in serving him. What are people saying about the church? Healthy churches matter. Look at number two. How does the church pray for one another? That's another significant question because Paul says in this passage, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. So he's praying for the church at Colossae. Look on down, he says in verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. The apostle Paul saved on the road to Damascus. Jesus Christ changed his life. He was a praying man, and he was praying for this local church at Colossae, praying for them to be everything that God wanted them to be, but he was praying for the church. 
How do you pray for this church? How do I pray for this church? This morning, I oftentimes on Sunday mornings will walk around, make connections with connect groups and do some of that and concourse area. And I greeted a number of people today. But today, the Spirit just led me to walk over here. First time I've done that. To walk over here to the prayer room, over to my left in the concourse, and literally just spend time in that prayer room praying about what I'm getting ready to share with you. How do we pray for this church? And I just walked through these next five or six statements I'm going to make, and here's how I prayed for you today as a church this morning in the prayer room. What are people saying about the church? How do we pray for the church? Look at these couple statements. A healthy church listens. I want to give you this insight because he says in this passage, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul was a listener. Leaders are listeners. So Paul was listening what people were saying about the church at Colossae. And then he says, as we heard these things, then we prayed for you. One of the things that just thrills my spirit in this text is when you look at what Paul starts praying for the church, it's interesting to me what he didn't pray. I'm always inspired by what people pray, but I'm also interested in what they don't pray. It's interesting, Paul is writing from a prison cell. Nowhere in this text does he, is he praying that he would get released from prison. Paul had needs, financial needs. Nowhere in this text is he praying that his financial support would increase. Nowhere in this text was he praying for the believers at Colossae that they would get bigger houses, better jobs, and greater security in life. He didn't pray any of those things. But when you look in Colossians 1, how did he pray for the church? Ultimately, he was praying that they would be spiritually alive in Christ and on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ as well. That's how he prayed for them. So a healthy church listens. But look at, secondly, a healthy church prays. How do we pray for the church? Let me give you these insights straight from God's word. Number one, God's will. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice the word filled. When you're filled with something, the word there means you're controlled by. And so, so if you're filled with anger, you're controlled by anger. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so if you're filled with the will of God, then you're controlled by the will of God. And so here Paul is to this church at Colossae. He is praying for them about God's will. We want you to be filled with the will of God. And what does that mean? Again, last week we talked about the will of God. The will of God is sovereign. Here's what God is going to do. The will of God is moral. This is right and wrong in the eyes of God. And the will of God is particular. Here's what God wants you to do and me to do. But here's what God wants us to do as a church. We need to make sure as we pray for the church, God, will you fill us with your will as a church? We want to make sure we're not doing what we want, God. We want to do what you want. That's being filled with the will of God. And he said, well, how am I going to know the will of God? Well, you're going to know the will of God from his word. You're going to know the will of God from the Holy Spirit. You're going to know the will of God from other believers in your life. And you're going to know the will of God because he is a God of peace, not a God of confusion. And I'll make this statement as well, personally, but also for us as a church. The more we know the word of God, the more we'll know the will of God. There's a correlation there. 
And so how do we pray for the church? Well, one, we pray that we will know God's will. Look at number two, God's pleasure. He goes on to say this church, we're praying for you to be filled with the knowledge of his will, spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Paul is praying for the church at Colossae to say, we want you to know the will of God, but also we want you to walk in a way, we want you to be pleasing to the Lord in everything that you do. Church, are we seeking to please one another or are we seeking to please him? Our desire as a church should say, God, we're not trying to please one another because we're never going to please one another. At the end of the day, God, I'm praying for our church that at the end of the day, we are going to be pleasing unto you. That's what matters at the end of the day. Because again, we've all got different preferences and viewpoints and tastes. We'll never please one another. But let's make sure that Christ is the one who's pleased, that we're living his way, not our way. We're walking in a way that is faithful unto him. How do we pray for the church? God, show us your will. God, make sure we're pleasing unto you. Look at number three, God's fruit. We come back to that again as he comes back and he says, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Make sure that we're bearing fruit. God, again, we want to see people saved. We want to see people baptized. We want to see people making connection to our church. We want to see people called out in ministry. We want to see people who are giving everything to you. We want to see relationships that are fractured, forgiveness on display. God, we want to see fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. But God, we also want to see changed lives. How do we pray for the church? God, show us your will. God, we want to be pleasing unto you. And God, we want to bear fruit for you. Look at the next one, God's knowledge. He says, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. So what that means is we want to grow more intimate with Christ Jesus. Folks, here's what I know about the Bible and about the work of God. There's more about God's word that I don't know than what I know. And the truth of the matter is, I have only scratched the surface of the deepness of the Word of God in my life. I'm an infant in many ways when it comes to the Word of God. And so, God, I don't, I don't ever want to be satisfied to think I've arrived, I know enough. God, I want you to just increase my intimacy and hunger for you. God, I want to know more about you. And so when we come together as a church, what do we pray? God, just show us your will. God, we want to be faithful and pleasing. God, we want to bear fruit. And God, we want our knowledge of you to keep increasing because the more we know about you, it positions us to serve you more. Look at the next one, God's power. Well, isn't that refreshing what he's praying for this church, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God? May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Here's what I know. Folks, my power is limited. But here's what I know, based on the authority of God's word, nothing is impossible with him. He has all authority and all power. As a church, why would we want to serve under the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? So when we pray, God, don't let us do what just we can do from our human perspective. God, we want to serve with unlimited power, and that comes from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We want to be surrendered, and may the Holy Spirit work in our lives to lead us to do what we could never do on our own. That's the power of God at work. And then look at the last one, God's blessings. How do we pray for the church? We'll pray that God will bless us and pray that we'll be thankful. He says, patient with joy, giving thanks to the Father. 
Now, when you think about praying for the church, let me ask you, when you think about our church, are we a critical church or a thankful church? Uh, When you think about you're watching online, the church you go to, is your church critical or thankful? Uh, There are times we can criticize leaders. We can criticize what we're doing. We're good at being critical. Listen, there are people out there who know more what we're against than what we're for. But I want to ask you this morning as First Baptist Church, when's the last time we just were overflowing with thanksgiving because of the goodness and the generosity and the graciousness of God, the way he's blessed us? Church, I'm not going to say this to give you new information. You know this, but God has blessed this church. Folks, we ought to be giving thanks to God the Father for what he has done and is doing in our midst. He's good to us. Well, how do you pray for the church? Well, just pray that we'll know the will of God. Pray that we'll be pleasing to him. Pray that we'll bear fruit. Pray that our knowledge and intimacy will increase. Just pray as well that that we'll serve in his power and we'll be thankful people. What a life-changing way to pray for this church. Number three, is the church surrendered to the main thing? I like to read, and I'll read a number of books every year, and some of them, uh, most of them are spiritual, but sometimes I'll read a secular book on leadership or business. And here's what I see in many of those books. Businesses and leaders get off course when they have too many ventures going on at the same time. What happens is you can't keep the main thing the main thing. As a church, we need to make sure that we are surrendered to the main thing. What is the main thing? It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the main thing. Look at number one, never compromise the message. A healthy church never compromises the message. What did Paul say to the church at Colossae? He said this, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. What does that mean? Those individuals were saved. That's what that means. I mean, they got right with God. They confessed their sin, turned from their sin, trusted Jesus. They experienced salvation. Paul never compromised the message. Church at Colossae never compromised the message. Uh, You go back. Here's an interesting study as well. You go back and you look at many of our Ivy League schools in our nation. And you go back and read their charters when they started and you see where they were then and where they are now. Harvard University. If you go back and look at their charter, I'm just going to quote it. Here's what they said. They said the main end of a student's life and studies is to know Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. And they quoted John 17:3. And that, that's Harvard. That's not a theological seminary that we would know in our Southern Baptist Convention. That is Harvard when they started. The main end of a student's life and studies is to know Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Now, you fast forward to the day. Is that what Harvard is known for? Just Google today. Look what happened last week. They put a chaplain in place who is a professing atheist. But their charter said what? The main end of a student's life is to know Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Listen, I understand churches have changed a lot. We've got different ways we dress, different styles, times of services have changed. But I am grateful to Almighty God that the message of the local church has never, never changed. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone again. Never changed. We should never compromise the message. 
Amen. Number two, calls the church to rescue people. Paul, again, what is he saying? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Rescuing people. I mean, I can still remember in that small rural Baptist church that I grew up in. Sitting in a, standing in a pew area there, and I can still remember our music leader singing out, rescue the perishing. He would belt it out, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will do what? Will save. Folks, we're still rescuing people. Now, now we can talk about prayer, never pray. You, you and I can talk about rescuing people, never rescue anybody. But I just want to ask you, in your family, among your friends, your workplace, your school, people you meet in this community, who is crying out to be rescued? And are we surrendered as a church to the main thing? That is getting the gospel to boys and girls, men and women who are crying out to be rescued, that we share the good news of Jesus with those individuals. And here's what I know. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus, he is merciful, and I know this, he will save. If you'll just call on his name, he will save you. That's who he is. What does a healthy church look like? How do you pray for a church? What are people saying about our church? And are we surrendered to the main thing? I want us to bow our heads together in the room and even those who are watching. And today in the invitation, there are many similarities to every week. Here's what I mean by that. In the room and those watching, we plead with you to give your life to Jesus Christ, to turn from your sin and trust him as your savior. And if you're in the room, we're going to invite you to come forward. Our pastoral staff's going to be here. We've got prayer warriors on the side as well. They're willing to minister to you. We want to help you know Jesus as your Savior. Uh, We plead with you as well that if you need to be baptized, you know him. But you've never taken that step of obedience. We just encourage you to follow Jesus in baptism. In this room again, you're, you're here today. And you know that the Lord wants you to be a part of this church. He's called you to be here. And we're just going to ask you to step up and step out and walk down one of these aisles and say, today is a day we or I want to join the fellowship of this church. Is he calling you to ministry? Let us know that so we can walk with you. That's in the room. And those who are watching today, We want to encourage you, any of those same spiritual decisions you need to make, any way we can answer your questions or pray for you, you see an email address, you can respond to us, or even on the platform you're watching on, you can send us a direct message and we'll respond back to you there as well. But we just want to help you. A healthy church invites people to be obedient to Christ. And we want to do that. And then those in the room and those who are watching, the altar is open today. If you want to come and stand before the Lord or get on your knees as an individual, a husband, wife, or as a family, leaders in this church, and just pray that we would be a healthy church. What are people saying about our church? They would say biblical things about our church. How do we pray for the church? Well, you can pray for the church of those ways I listed that Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. 
And then you can just ask the Lord, make sure we're surrendered to the main thing. That's the gospel. This altar's open for us to pray. Come to the Lord and just cry out to him that our church would be healthy and that we would be a part of rescuing people and the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I've shared everything I sense you asked me to share. And Father, I make no hesitation in inviting people to come to Jesus. And the good news is we can come just as we are. <laughs> but the great news is we'll leave very different because that's how amazing your grace is. And so in the room and those who are watching, we pray people will come to Jesus today. And even your church, part of coming to you is praying for our church. And God, I pray the altar would be filled today with people who love you and who love this church. And we would pray that we would be a healthy church because that's honoring to you, healthy for us, other people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We come to you just as we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's obey the leadership of Christ in decisions or prayer for his glory. Let's sing together.